Well, I want to add my welcome to you on this day of convocation for Heritage College and Seminary 21-22 academic year. You know, I want to say a special welcome to our board of directors who may be watching us today, to our faculty and our staff, to uh, college students, to seminary students, to families and friends, whether you are taking this service in on campus or online, we want to say we're delighted you're part of this launch for the new year. You know, as we begin, I have several individuals on my heart that are part of our community, and I know that many of uh, my colleagues have them as well, and I want to make special mention of them as we begin. As we start this year, our hearts and our prayers are focused on Mark and Teresa Beach. Uh, many of you know Teresa. She has been our registrar at Heritage for a good while. And her husband, Pastor Mark Beach, who serves a church in Brantford. Mark contracted COVID last April and continues to be in ICU. So it's been a long haul for Mark and for Teresa and we have prayed faithfully for them, fervently for them, and Mark is making a recovery. We're trusting the Lord for a full one, but we want to remember them. We miss, Teresa, we miss you on campus, and Mark, we're praying for you, my brother. So I think of them. I also want to remember today Dr. Stan Fowler and his dear wife, Donna. Dr. Fowler has taught at the seminary here for decades and is really one of the fixtures and really one of the legacy professors at He's Professor Emeritus. He still teaches for us. This summer, while vacationing down in Virginia, uh, Dr. Fowler suffered a massive stroke and was taken to ICU there. He's airlifted back home. He's in a hospital here in um, our area, and we just want to continue to pray for him. Our hearts are heavy for him. We love him and miss him, and we're thinking of his dear wife, Donna, as she and they trust the Lord for recovery. We're still praying for that for Brother Stan, we miss him on campus. And then today, I also want to remember a pastor by the name of Steve Baxter. Uh, Steve was pastoring Grandview Baptist Church, and five years ago today, uh, Steve went home to be with the Lord. And I, I just have to tell you, he's one of the pastors that I look at as a model for the pastors we're trying to train. He was a man who was as good a shepherd as you'll find. He preached the word of God. He loved people. He led a congregation. And the Lord took him home suddenly, and we still carry him in our hearts. And I mention him today not only because it was five years ago today, and not only because he was a dear friend to many of us, but his wife Pam and the daughters Aaron and Heather have begun a scholarship in Steve's honor. And a little bit later, Dr. Housen will be giving out uh, this special award in honor of Steve Baxter. And so we think of the Baxter families and uh, as we start today. Mr. Schoenmaker said that a convocation is a gathering, and this is a special gathering. It is a worship service for us. As you've already seen, we've offered prayers. We've sung our praise. In a few minutes, we'll hear from God's word spoken to us. It's a time of worshiping God. God gave his very best in giving us Jesus. And as we start the year, we say, Lord, we want to offer our very best to you. We want to love the Lord our God with our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strength. And that's a dedication that we're asking each of us, faculty, staff, students, and even family to make as we begin the year. So it's a worship service. It's also a celebration service. 
we have a chance to honor some academic success and ministry accomplishment in the lives of some of our students that as we look back over last year, we're able to award right now. So we have some awards on the college level. Dr. Ewell will come and present those. These are awards for students who were part of our campus last year and yet are awarded today. And then Dr. Barry Hausen will come after him and award some seminary awards for seminarians from last year, but we award those at this start of this year. So I'm going to invite Dr. Ewell to come, please, and give us the college awards. Well, good morning to everyone. Uh, due to the valuable support of several donors, we are, as an institution, able to recognize some of our outstanding students with convocation awards. These are based on academic achievement and Christ-like character. And so, yes, I'm going to ask each recipient to make the long journey here to the front, in front of everybody, to receive your award. We begin with the Pitaway Award for Academic Proficiency. It is presented to the full-time college student with the highest AGPA in their first year of study in the last academic year. And this year, the award goes to Flavia Campus de Carvalho. So Flavia, come on down. Next up, the Second Year Academic Proficiency Award, presented to the full-time college student, again with the highest AGPA, in their second year of study in the last academic year. And this year, we have a tie. And so, in order, please, beginning with Josh Slotograph. Followed by Micah Sauter. Come on down, Micah. Next up, the W. Doug Morrison Award for academic proficiency presented to the full-time college student with the highest AGPA in their third year of study in the last academic year. And wouldn't you know it, again, we have a tie. So beginning firstly with James Hutton. And followed by Tim Wessel. to the Marvin Brubaker Citizenship Award in honor of former President Marvin Brubaker. It is presented to the one graduating female student and non-graduating female student and one non-graduating male student who have been actively involved in student life and exhibited Christ-like character. Input for this award is given by faculty, staff, and student 
leaders. So let me begin with Courtney Backert. Come on down. For the male student, Mitchell Mowbray. And moving on to the Field Education Award, donated by Mrs. Pauline Bloomfield, presented to one non graduating male student, one non graduating female student who have completed outstanding practical work in the field education program this past year. So beginning with Alex Gunther, please come forward. And secondly, Tori Lesniara. Norman W. Pipe Evangelism Award, donated by Dr. Norman Pipe, presented to a student who exhibits Christian, a Christ-honoring lifestyle, who passionately shares the love of Christ and the message of the gospel in word and deed. And the award goes to Ethan Skinner. Just two more awards. The recipients aren't here, but we do want to acknowledge them. The Craig Simmons Missions Award, donated by Mrs. Kristen Simmons in memory of Mr. Craig Simmons, is presented to the student who transcends the boundaries of culture and comfort in seeking to reach the world for Christ. And this year's recipient is Miriam Alexanian. Well done, Miriam, if you happen to be watching. And lastly, the Lehman Strauss Expository Preaching and Teaching Award donated by Dr. Lehman Strauss is presented to the student who has done outstanding work in the homiletics program. And the award goes to Alex Burns. Well done, Alex. Again, a well done to each of these college students. I'm going to turn it over now to Dr. Barry Hausen. So we want to thank, again, all our generous donors who make it possible for Heritage to recognize some of our outstanding students after each academic year with these special awards in the seminary. I would ask, as uh, Dr. Ewell did, that you come forward when your name is given. The Seminary Pitaway Award for non-graduating academic proficiency is presented to the full-time seminary student with the highest AGPA in the last academic year. 
The award goes to Daniel Sales D'Andrade. Heritage Seminary Preaching Award, donated by the family and friends of Reverend Alan Sylvester, is presented to a student in pastoral ministry studies who demonstrates strong character and excellence in the classroom and in the church. The award goes to Michael Keith Williams. Unfortunately, he is not able to be with us today, but we can still give him a hand. The Denzel E. Raymer Old Testament Award is presented by Heritage Theological Seminary to the student who has done outstanding work in Old Testament studies. The award goes to Matthew Ma. W. Gordon Brown New Testament Award, donated by Dr. and Mrs. Gordon Ivey, is presented to the student who has done outstanding work in the area of New Testament studies in the seminary this past year. The award goes to Cheryl Ann Paquette. Steve Baxter Pastoral Leadership Award, donated by Pam Baxter Nichols and family, awarded to a returning seminary student pursuing or engaged in vocational pastoral ministry and who demonstrates exceptional servant leadership. The award goes to John Killoran. Next two awards, the recipients are not able to be with us. The Mr. and Mrs. Alex McCready Award, donated by Mr. and Mrs. Alex McCready, is presented to the student who demonstrates ministry skills, excels in Christian character and academic responsibility, who shows evidence of hard work, ambition, and the ability to set and accomplish goals. The award goes to John Jonathan. The Irene Robertson Love Day Christian Education Award is presented to the student who demonstrates significant academic ability and involvement in a Christian education ministry to help the student further his or her education. The award goes to Lori Stairs. 
Congratulations to all these recipients. As we continue to praise the Lord with our lips, as well as worship him with our lives, let's stand together and sing as a community to the Lord.
God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it's my joy to welcome as this year's congregation speaker, Dr. Rick Buck. Uh, Rick is a, a dear man. He's a perfect guy to speak to you. He's been a pastor for many years. He served up in Barrie at Emmanuel Baptist Church for, I think, 24, 25 years. Um, he's a graduate of London Baptist Bible College, which is the precursor of Heritage. And he graduated from Dallas Seminary, as well as a doctoral work at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Rick now serves as the regional director of Feb Central Ministries that has offices in the academic building, so you might see him on campus at times. And uh, he also serves on Heritage staff. He is uh, one of our professors in the Graduate Certificate of Biblical Preaching. And maybe best of all, from my standpoint, he's a godly man, and I count him as a dear friend. He and his wife, Joe, are dear to, to Linda and me and to many of us in this room. So would you join me in welcoming Dr. Rick Buck as he comes to speak to us this morning? And thank you, Rick. A very kind introduction. President Reed, faculty and staff and students, it is a privilege to be here with you today at the beginning of your journey into a new school year. There is no doubt in my mind that uh, there have been a lot of unique challenges for all of us, has there not been, in the last 18 months? And I know for you as students as well, you've been uniquely impacted. Even the uncertainty probably, would you be coming here to be in person uh, for class this year? Um, certainly that. Or if you were, what is it going to look like? And obviously we're 18 months in and still we're challenged with uh, various uh, limits and restrictions uh, as we deal with this pandemic. I know many of you here are already involved in different ministries, both here at Heritage and in your churches, and uh, those have looked different too, haven't they not? Uh, very much so. And there's been the challenge of unity and trying to continue to have an effective witness for Christ in a time of social distancing and diverse responses of people to the pandemic, to the government restrictions. This has been a challenging time of unity. I think we're all tired, are we not? <laughs> we're tired and just want to get back to some kind of normal, although it will probably be a new normal. Do we not all agree post-COVID? a new normal. We just want to survive all this stuff and move on. But at the same time, I know you believe, as I do, in the sovereignty of God over the crisis. God's ways are not our ways. And many times it is hard to trace what he is doing. But what we do know is that he is great and he is good beyond our comprehension. And he will not waste anything in bringing about his purposes in our lives and in the world if we will only trust him completely. He can and will convert the challenges into opportunities for his glory and for our good. This is the promise of God to us. God doesn't just use the good things in life. He uses the bad and even the tragic to bring about his goodness. The greatest example of that is the cross of Jesus Christ. As God brought the greatest good from the greatest evil in the cross of Jesus Christ, so he continues to convert and redeem a fallen world to build his kingdom. 
God is building his church, even under the constraints of a global pandemic. You know, often, it, would you not agree, it's, it's in the context of the deepest challenges of our lives and of a fallen world that God does his greatest work in us and through us. Students, God does not want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive on mission for him and the gospel of Jesus Christ in the face of great challenges. You know, in these crazy days of COVID, I've been reflecting a lot on the early church and how it began and how it grew. The church started in the context, many of us wouldn't fully grasp this by experience, but it, it began in the context of deep and profound limits. Christianity was misunderstood and opposed by many. Life in the first century was very difficult and extremely challenging, a little Wild West-like, if you will. And yet the early church went into the known world, witnessing to the treasure, to the beauty of Jesus and the gospel. Remember Jesus' promise in the book of Acts, Acts 1, verse 8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts really tells the story of how this was worked out by God in and through the church. Acts records how the gospel spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God works in and through his people to proclaim the good news of Jesus to Jew and Gentile alike. It requires courageous risks of faith by Christians. Because while many will believe in Jesus Christ, others strongly, even violently, reject and resist him. The mission is lived out in a world of profound limits, profound barriers, and even hostility. This is the story the book of Acts tells. Acts records, as you know, Paul's miraculous conversion where he moves from being the persecutor of Christians to becoming the proclaimer of the gospel and then tells us about his three missionary journeys where he intentionally and repeatedly shares the good news and hope of Jesus' life, death, resurrection with whoever will listen in the face of all kinds of vulnerability. All you have to do is read 2 Corinthians 11 and see the challenges that the Apostle Paul faced. How many times he came close to death. He was tortured. He was feeling the limits of both nature and others who opposed him. Constraints, limits. But by God's grace and power, he and those who served with him made disciples of Jesus who in turn made disciples of Jesus. There's this repeated phrase in the book of Acts that the word of God, the word of the Lord spread. In their intentional witness, we get this glimpse of how God is building his kingdom one life at a time in the good, the bad, and even the ugly. I love Acts 2.47 that tells us that literally every day in the early church, people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ and being added to the church. What an awesome time it must have been. In the face of great challenges, the Holy Spirit was manifesting God's power and presence. But Acts also gives us testimony of how God works in mysterious ways to build his church. In the last third of Acts, Dr. Luke describes how Jesus is building his church through his people. 
but has a completely different feel and look to it. He tells the story, if you will, of Paul's fourth missionary journey. It's not like the first three. It's an experience of unjust imprisonment and suffering for the Apostle Paul. It's a missionary journey, really, of God's making, sovereign making. Not one we could create, not one we could implement or even strategize. Luke records for us Paul's arrest and journey to Rome to show that the gospel continues to advance no matter the opposition, no matter the limits, no matter the seeming missional setbacks. When Paul is at his weakest moments, he's experiencing God's presence and power to advance the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You only need to read the book of 2 Corinthians to see that. Jesus is building his church, and not even hell itself will be able to stop this. The expansion of the church is unstoppable because it is the work of God. Listen to how the book of Acts closes the last two verses of the book of Acts, Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. I find them fascinating verses. Paul's under house arrest in Rome. It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He, Paul, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, with all boldness and without hindrance. He was under house arrest, proclaiming the gospel without hindrance. What's Luke telling us? He's telling us that chapter 28 of Acts is not the end. It's really just the beginning. The mission continues. Whatever comes, we must continue to point people to Jesus Christ, even if it means under house arrest for two years. Sound familiar? (laughs) And two, we need to understand that as we are faithful in doing this, the gospel's progress is unstoppable. The messenger may be in chains, but the gospel itself is not chained. The word of God is not chained. This is what the early believers learned. When we are willing to take courageous steps of faith, however small they may seem, God will use these to share the word of Christ with the world, no matter how, no bad, matter how bad it gets. Paul's arrest mysteriously opened doors of witness that might otherwise not have occurred. He speaks to the Jewish Sanhedrin, He speaks to Roman governors. He speaks to a Jewish king. He later speaks to the household of Caesar himself. Later, when the apostle Paul is in prison, once again, knowing the sovereignty of God, he speaks about this mysterious, unique working of God. And he says in 2 Timothy 2, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything. Paul saw the challenges as unique opportunities for God to manifest his power and presence even in his weakness. Even when facing massive circumstantial limits, challenges. And God worked and did far above what Paul could have ever imagined. Knowing that God is sovereign in all things and works in ways we cannot see or understand, he calls us to be faithful calls us to be faithful and making godly risks of faith. 
And Paul did that. Even as he found the walls of a fallen world closing in around him, he endured on mission. He didn't just survive. He thrived. He attempted to take and be fruitful and faithful where he was planted by God. It meant a willingness to suffer. It meant a willingness to follow Jesus down into humble service and sacrifice. And of course, culturally, this is counterintuitive because it's all about gaining by losing having the mind of Christ, giving away our rights and privileges. In Acts 20, Paul says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. In the very next chapter, the prophet Agabus warns Paul that he's about to be imprisoned in Jerusalem by the Jewish leaders. And you remember this, if some of you know the story, Paul's companions, as well as the rest of the Christians there, try to persuade Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. It's way too risky, Paul. Why are you going? Don't be foolish. We need you here. But Paul responds, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes, he's saying, this is, there is a significant risk here for me, but it is a good and godly risk. And we all know this, that there's a big difference between a foolish, reckless, selfish risk and a good, selfless, godly risk. These days are challenging, limiting for the church. Although I do not think it is fair to compare us to Paul and all that he went through in terms of his challenges, the principle is still the same. What are we to do in the midst of limits and constraints and the inability to plan and implement intentional ministry sometimes? We need to see that if we will trust in God's sovereignty over COVID-19, make ourselves available to God, God will build his church first in us and then through us. Even in the face of these limits, God's word is not chained. And I will tell you, even over the last year, I've heard many wonderful stories of the way that God is at work, even in the midst of these crazy COVID days. But one of the things that has frustrated me during COVID-19 is that most, most risks have been lumped into the same category, if you will, the same bucket as reckless but I don't think that's logical or even biblically accurate. Good godly risk is one thing, a necessary part of a God-glorifying life, and foolish, selfish, reckless risk is another. And at some level, we all know and understand this. You know there's a big difference between a firefighter going into a burning building with safety protocol to save property and lives and someone driving on a 401 series highway at 170K going in and out of traffic. One is selfless, one is selfish. And in COVID terms, there are reckless risks and there are truly godly risks. Visiting someone dying of COVID to share Christ with them with proper proper safety protocol is one kind of risk. And going to a big birthday pool party, unmasked, not social distancing, and sharing drinks, that could be considered another kind of risk. We need to be prayerfully asking God to guide us as to what good godly risks of faith look like for each of us. 
Nobody can really fully make that or decide that for others. I know one brother at the former church where I pastored, he had had open heart surgery and almost died during that open heart surgery. And um, literally he was on the surgery table and almost died. A few weeks later, he decided to make his way when he survived that and came out and was healing, he decided to go to church to worship. And some people were obviously shocked that he was there. The question is, was that a good godly risk or was it a selfish risk? Now, the truth is no one could actually answer that but he and God. He would have been very appropriate to stay home. And yet he chose for his expression of his faith to go to church. Why do I say this? Because the apostle Paul, his companions could not dissuade him from going to Jerusalem. And finally they said, the Lord's will be done. Only Paul could make the determination that God was leading him to this good and godly risk. But he was willing to discern where God was leading him. And then he engaged in godly risk to make a difference. And I think each of us needs to prayerfully do that in these challenging days. I guess that's my encouragement for each of you as students today, for faculty and staff, for those in our churches under COVID in these challenging days. Let's take godly risks of faith and ask God to use our ordinary temporal lives to do extraordinary eternal things in our families, in our churches, and in our communities. Let's see the challenges that we're presently facing as opportunities. God, where are you at work? I wanna be in step with what you're doing. Let's by faith thrive, not just survive. You might ask, but where do you see the opportunities in the challenges? Actually, I could talk here for a few moments, but I won't, of a number of areas where I see opportunities in the face of challenges. But let me give you one that I think is probably the most important one of all. I think God is showing, particularly to the prosperous West, that we are but a breath. That we are but fragile, fleeting, and fractured. God is showing us through a microscopic virus our profound limits of knowledge, of control. And it should lead us to a profound, deeper dependency upon God. It should be humbling us all, helping us to see how small we are and to realize once again with fresh eyes that the true and stable treasure in an unstable world is the glory of knowing God through Jesus Christ. If COVID can be redeemed in this way, friends, and we are all able to treasure Christ and his church more deeply, I believe we can and will be more effective instruments for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here then is the opportunity to renew and revive our lives in the church of Christ, bringing us back to the stronger love for and look to God, to understand that COVID reminds us just how fleeting, fragile, and fractured life this side of heaven is, and how Jesus is different. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that great news? So would we drink more deeply of that which is utterly secure so that God can work in us and through us to point a world to the treasure and beauty of who our Savior is? Just recently, I was traveling in my car and on Spotify and the song 
from casting crowns came on only Jesus. Hear the words. All the kingdoms built, all the trophies won, will crumble into dust when it's said and done. Because all that really mattered, did I live the truth to the ones I love? Was my life the proof that there is only one whose name will last forever? I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. And I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him, only Jesus. Students, everything but Jesus is beautiful but broken. Only Jesus is beautiful and unbroken. Or hear the testimony of the Apostle Paul, his own personal testimony in Philippians 3, when he puts the beauty and treasure of Christ next to his own accomplishments, his own righteousness. And he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Let's thrive, not just survive. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the promise that we have in Jesus Christ that nothing will ever separate us from your love. Thank you that we've been reminded in this season of just how fragile life is. Whether it's been from COVID itself or from the impacts of lockdowns, there's a sense in which any decision under COVID has meant some kind of impact to someone. And we have felt felt as a human race just how small, how much we don't know, how out of control we are. Thank you that your gift in your son is beautiful and unbroken. Lord, I pray for these students that you'd be with them in a special way and bless them and watch over them in this year. Use them for your glory, for the good of others. May they see and savor and share the beauty and treasure of our Savior and Lord in a greater way this year through your word, through your spirit, working in and through their lives. So we give this school year to you, asking that you would do far beyond what we could even think or imagine. Help the student body as they begin to lean into you and depend upon you so they might see something of your glory and goodness revealed through their lives. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. As we begin a new school year, some of you are probably facing this year with great apprehension. And so we need the Lord, don't we? Lord, I need you. Some of you are probably facing this year with a a great deal of confidence, but we know that we need the Lord to effectively live as disciples of his. Amen? So we're going to stand together and we're going to sing a prayer We're going to sing a prayer to the Lord. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You are the one who guides my heart. Let's sing this as a prayer to our Lord. Here we go. 
So teach my son to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand up. Well, it's been very good for us to be together, uh, even in terms of COVID, just to be together again. And we are so thrilled to have all of you students joining us this school year. It has also been very good for us to be together this morning in this convocation service, and I appreciate so much some of what has been sung and said. So we just read, we just sang, Lord, I need you, and the first verse says, Lord, I come, I confess, and that just means to acknowledge things. Without you, I fall apart. And then on the back page, it says, when temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. And the truth is, we are needy people, right? And we live in a broken world, and we just so badly need the Lord. And I don't know if you're writing down what... Rick Buck was saying, because there was a lot of good stuff there, but one of the things that he said was, uh, and I have to remember, because there are so many good things, but um, we live in a broken world that's full of chaos and confusion, and you know what? We see that in our own hearts, right? We're broken people, but only Jesus is beautiful and unbroken, and that's why we sing, Lord, I need you, because you're the unbroken one, and we're broken, and we need you to, to help us. And then the other, one of the other things he said was, um, somehow may God use our, our broken and temporal lives. And there was another word in there, Rick, I can't remember it, but temporal lives and our limited abilities to do something that is, oh, temporary, temporal lives and normal lives, ordinary lives. May the Lord use that to do what is eternal and extraordinary and so we really need the Lord's blessings. It's amazing that he allows us broken people to be a part of what he's doing. So let's ask the Lord's blessing in close. Lord, when we ponder these great truths, we are humbled and excited at the same time. We're humbled because of our great need and our brokenness 
but we think of Easter Sunday and the resurrection of Christ who gives life to the dead and hope to the hopeless. And he, through, he, through his life, turns our brokenness into wholeness. You draw us into relationship with you, and then you send us out into the world to be a blessing to others. And we're so thankful for your grace and kindness to us, dear God. We praise you for being a great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for drawing us into fellowship with you. And now, Lord, as we go from here to lunch and to our afternoon classes and our activities, may we be mindful of your presence. May we be mindful of your purposes. May we give our lives to honor you and serve you. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit will bless these students, encourage them. May they grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. May they grow in the knowledge of your word and a love for your word. Lord, may they go, grow in grace and kindness to one another. May you strengthen us as a community. May we bless others, but also seek others and draw others into the fellowship. The fellowship that we share together as a heritage community. Help them, Lord, in their studies. Help them in their time management, in the management of their finances and, and their other responsibilities, that they may be excellent in all that they do. But primarily, Lord, may we grow in a love for you and in an understanding of the significance of the new life that is ours in Christ. So, Lord, bless us, we pray, so that we may be a blessing to others. And again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.